together. Come on, get your Bibles out if you brought them. If not, our guys in the back are usually great at flashing those verses up on the screen so you can follow along. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find Matthew's Gospel. I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 6 here in just a moment. Matthew chapter 6, and as you're finding that, this is, as we've mentioned, the last Sunday of 2008. And I want to set your focus, really set our focus, on what I believe 2009 holds for many of us. How many of you here this morning have some hope, some dream, or some desire for the new year? Can I just see your hands? That's about 100%, I would think. I think everyone has some sort of aspiration or desire when a new year finally shows up. And I believe that there is an assignment for us in the year 2009. And we need to be sure that that is birthed, it is tended to, it comes to fruition, and we need to make sure we're doing our part in seeing that come to pass. Uh, Tracy is ever so faithful in always looking at me. In fact, these last couple of months of 2008, just out of the blue, we may be sitting on the couch, maybe watching a, a television show, or just somehow hanging out together, and then all of a sudden, uh, out of the blue, she'll just say, yep, yep, 2009, 2009, it's going to be a great year. It's our year. It's our time. I believe the unveiling is just around the corner. She's been doing that for about the last two months. So it's finally gotten in my spirit too. Isn't that good to know? So wives just keep speaking things and it'll finally catch hold sooner or later in your husbands. I know though that many of you feel the exact same way. But for any of these things to take place, there must first be a breakthrough. In order for good things, for dreams, for hopes, desires, for your aspirations to take place, there must be a breakthrough in the spirit. In other words, in the spiritual realm, you have to press in and break through some things before you'll see that manifested in the natural realm. And I believe that breakthrough is linked if not totally, I can almost assure you partially with a corporate fast that God is calling us to. And I believe that your heart's desire is to participate in. And for the next several weeks, I want to teach you uh, the little bit I know and what others who have far more knowledge than I do know in this area about fasting. In fact, I'll just give credit where credit is due. A lot of what I will share with you uh, came from Jensen Franklin's book, entitled fasting in fact for those of you that don't know uh, pastor jensen um, there in gainesville uh, my oldest son clayton wife bethany are there at free chapel worship center a large large mega church and pastor jensen is one of the voices maybe the voice on fasting that god has raised up in our nation and so uh, he has some great things some great insight that i have gleaned from that hopefully I can pass along to you and all of us together can access the heart of God in this regard. Uh, I will also be posting after today, in fact I did it last night so it's already on the blog site so the date may look funny but on the blog site I'm going to post some of the information that I'll be sharing with you this morning. I'm going to post all of the dates of the corporate prayer meetings that I'll be mentioning a little bit later and so if somehow or another you're lost, you forgot a pen or a pencil to write some things down, then you can go to the blog site 
and all that information will be there for you in order that you can stay current and even catch up. And there are some things that we need to desire and long for in our lives, even more than food that sustains our bodies. The Bible says this in Matthew 5, 6, the Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You cannot be filled with righteousness unless what happens? Come on, say it. One more time. Exactly. You cannot be filled with righteousness unless you hunger and thirst for that. In Psalm 42, it says, as the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. In fact, the psalmist, I believe David said, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? And so the Bible tells us that when it comes to an appetite, that there are certain things that we are to be hungry and thirsty for even more Uh, than natural or food consumption. So as we begin this whole series and this whole topic, and as we enter into the year 2009, we want to talk a little bit about fasting. And so this morning I've entitled the message, Fasting for Your Breakthrough. Fasting for Your Breakthrough. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading with verse 16. Listen to what Jesus says. This is the Lord speaking, Matthew 6, 16. He says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces and they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting but to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's a cool phrase. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Fasting for your breakthrough. Now the truth of the matter is that all of us must eat to live. That's a biological fact. You cannot biologically be sustained unless you get food into your system. But unfortunately, while we must eat to live, for many of us, we live to eat. Let's be candid. By and large, eating is fun. I mean, the Christmas season, the holiday season proves as we gather to celebrate And whether it be on Christmas or whether it be on New Year's, what celebration is adequate without plenty? No, no, absolutely over the top bounty to eat. It's not just enough to get by. You got to have enough to roll out. Very few people can get through the Christmas celebration without eating above and beyond What is biologically necessary. Now, it's not designed to make you, or for that matter, me feel guilty. Most of us are already guilty. But I just want to underscore how much our stomachs tend to call the shots in our life. In fact, whoever rules your life could legitimately be be called king. If something is ruling your life, then that something is your king. 
For some people, their drug addictions rule their life, so drugs become their king. Alcohol addictions, so alcohol becomes their king. Perversions and other egregious sins can rule people's lives, therefore those things become king. But, but let's not let, let the, the commonly accepted sins get away from us. If your stomach rules your life, then why don't we just call it king's stomach? King's stomach needs to be dethroned for another king. The truth is, our stomachs can be as corrupted as our minds. Our stomachs can be as corrupted as our sex drives. Our stomachs can be as corrupted as our tongues. You understand all of the things in our body that God has given us to use for our enjoyment can be corrupted. And when those things become king, we get in trouble. Now the question may come up, how is your stomach king? Well, let me give you a couple of suggestions. In fact, I just thought about it in my own life because I'm one of those people that on occasion I can get disciplined and focused and pointed and, and, and I'll do really well in this particular area. But then there are other times like this holiday season where you just throw everything to the breeze and just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And I just want to give you some things that I thought about as to how our stomachs can be king in our life. And I'm using myself as an example because I felt like probably few of you had this same problem. So uh, we'll not try to make people feel too guilty here. How is your stomach king? Well, I wrote down here, when he growls and rumbles, I immediately begin to allow him to have my full and complete attention. I mean, whatever that growl means. I don't even know if I know what that growl means. I know we say it's hunger pains. But you know, whenever he starts growling inside of there, I always begin to think about what I need to make him shut up. King's stomach can, in the middle of just about anything, cause me to get up, go to the pantry, and start browsing it. Isn't that amazing? I mean... And a moment's notice, I can just get up, go to the refrigerator, and just begin to go through the refrigerator with just the slightest of tugs. Oh, that the Holy Spirit could do that to me and lead me to the bread of life. See, what's king? There's an old saying I started to think about that oftentimes we'll use when... when Men and women are dating, and it goes like this. The quickest way to a man's heart is what? Saying that amazing, y'all know that, see. Well, Satan knows this as well. He knows that there's a lot of things that can begin to be uh, uh, shut down. There are a lot of things that can begin to be detoured. A lot of things can begin to happen when we don't understand who exactly is king in our life. In fact, I believe I have solved the mystery of the book of the Revelation as to where the bottomless pit is located. <laughs> it's, it's in some teenagers' inner regions. Because they can eat and eat and eat. And it's never quite full. Have you ever considered how many times food was a problem to people in the Bible? I mean, we can talk about all the other sins, but let's just call a time out to to those and let's just deal with this one have you ever considered how many times food was a problem to people in the bible let's take for example adam and eve their first and biggest problem was food 
It wasn't drugs. It wasn't sex. It wasn't rock and roll. But it was a piece of fruit that they couldn't get victory over. They literally, in one bite, ate themselves out of house and home. Some of you may not realize, but even Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah is usually the the cities we focus on when it comes to dealing with sexual sins, especially their homosexuality. But it's interesting what Ezekiel said. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel real quick, because I I located a verse here that kind of gave a fullness to understanding as to what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now understand, what they were doing and what we're told in the book of Genesis by way of sexual sin was sin. It was wrong, it was abomination, God wanted no part of it. But let's make sure we get the whole story. Ezekiel 16 and 49, listen to this. It says, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. So Sodom and Gomorrah's problems weren't just linked to their sexual appetite, but it was linked to literally their physical appetite as well. You remember Esau in the scripture. Esau, if you've been through encounter, we talk about Esau and Jacob and how Esau came in and and he was hungry. He was so hungry that he sold his birthright, he sold his inheritance, he sold his future for a bowl of soup. King Stomach talked him into giving away his future blessing. There was Israel in the wilderness. When Israel was in the wilderness and God was trying to work in their life, he would feed them with manna supernaturally, with quail as well. But after a while, Israel, as you will recall, began to whine and complain. And they began to muse and and speak out loud how, how they wanted the food of Egypt. And they began to just say out loud, do you remember the food of Egypt? Do you remember what they fed us when we were in Egypt? And they literally, that first generation, lost the promised land. They lost their inheritance, being unwilling to learn obedience in the desert because their mind was consumed with food. And then, of course, Daniel and all the Jews that were in exile. In fact, when the Babylonians came and took the Jewish people captivity into exile and they were brought into the land, most of the Jews had defiled themselves of the food of Babylon. In fact, Daniel and his friends were offered a challenge and Daniel basically said, hey, we don't want to eat any of the food of, of Babylon. Just let us eat fruits and vegetables and at the end of a certain amount of time period, we will, we will be better and healthier than everyone else in the land. And sure enough, they were the only ones that were healthy and they were the only ones that found favor because they had the ability to overcome King's stomach. Can I just share this with you? Food can detour you as quickly as an affair. Food can detour you as quickly as a drunken stupor. Now, we're not giving people who are having affairs or drunken stupors, a way out of their sin. I'm just here to say to you, we've got to know the whole story. In our American lifestyle, there is always a reason to fellowship with food. There's a holiday. There's a birthday. There's an office get-together. 
There's a church function. How many of you know there have been many a chicken that have given their lives for the sake of the gospel? There's a net meeting. There's a cell group. Oh, let's not forget my three square meals a day. There's snacks. There's TV time. There's movies we go to. There's ball games. It doesn't matter where you go. Food is almost always there. So it should not surprise us that food may have to be challenged for kingship in our lives. And so God says there are moments we fast. And we fast in order to declare who's really king in our life. Now, again, you may want to get a pen out and write some things down at this point concerning a fast. If not, I'll do my best to keep those posted so you can print them off. But I want to talk for a few minutes this morning on the purpose of a fast. What's the purpose of a fast? And let's start with what a fast is not. What a fast is not. Number one, it is not just going without food. That's called dieting. And there's a difference between dieting and fasting. Now, you may need a diet for various reasons. There could be cosmetic reasons. You just need to cut a few pounds, look a little better, fit into some clothes. Or it could be health concerns. You may have diabetic issues. You may have heart uh, issues. There could be a literal health concerns involved in, in dieting as well. But a diet alone is not what God is calling us to. If you think the 21-day fast is God's call for a diet because you ate too much over the holidays, we got to break that right now. That's not it. In fact, do you realize you can, you can remove food from your life? There can be an absence of food from your life, and all you're doing is practicing starvation. You could be anorexic, bulimic, and you could have all of these things as you're avoiding food, which would not be the will of God. There are many, many, there are models on magazines at grocery stores and there are starlets on television screens and movie screens that I'm telling you, they may not eat a lot of food, but they're not right with God either. They're not being healthy. I mean, they're just, you just need some meat on the bones there. So it's not just going without food. Number two, it's not just practiced by fanatics or the super spiritual. Now, fasting is not reserved only for monks or for certain Bible characters. But fasting is a practice that's for all Christians. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 33, this is what it says. Then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? In other words, people are confused. Because it seems like there are these others who are spiritual people fasting, but Jesus' disciples weren't. Verse 34, and he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, he says, when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. So Jesus said concerning his disciples, which I hope would include most, if not all of you, he said that while I'm standing with you, there's no need to fast. I'm there. But there's going to come a day when I'm not physically going to be with them and I'm not physically going to be with you, but they're going to have to enter into a fast when that day comes. So it's for all of us. Number three, fasting is not a hunger strike. You know, some people treat fasting like you're holding God hostage. 
You know, I'm not going to eat, God, until you move. I'm not going to eat, God, you know, until somehow or another you do this particular thing. It's like the kid who refuses to breathe until you give in or he turns blue. Which, by the way, younger parents here, if your children ever threaten you with holding their breath until they turn blue, I will assure you they will breathe. Let them turn blue. They will breathe. You cannot manipulate God like that. So it's not a hunger strike. And then number four, a, a, a fast is not what many denominations practice as Lent. Now, some Christian circles practice Lent, which is usually a certain amount of time before Easter to deny yourself something. For those of you that perhaps grew up in a mainline denominational setting, oftentimes this is something that is practiced before the Easter season. Now, there may be some general merit to denying yourself certain things. To be candid with you, a lot of that is rooted back in Catholicism. And a lot of it's rooted back to Mardi Gras, which I don't know where they got that. Mardi Gras, you understand what Mardi Gras is. Mardi Gras is, is party till you drop, revel till you drop, the next, in the, the next week's Lent. So that's what Mardi Gras is all about. Mardi Gras is just letting the flesh loose because you're going to have to. And what happens is, is that what's, this is almost comical, is people go to New Orleans, they, they get in that whole Mardi Gras setting. It's the most debauched spectacle of revelry uh, beyond description what takes place. And then they go into Lent and they give up Brussels sprouts. God bless you. God bless you. So for me, it's just a little artificial and man-made. Why don't we just go with what the Bible says and let's just practice the fast. Fasting is not giving up Nintendo. Fasting is not giving up TV. It's not giving up the computer, the radio. Those things may need to be done, but that's not fasting. So what is a biblical fast? Well, the answer is this. It is simply refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting, listen to me, is about food. Food. You cannot go through the scripture. I've listened to people say, well, I'm, fa you know, I'm fasting, you know, magazines. <laughs> Where? No. I'm fasting the television. No. You may need to turn it off, but that's not the fast. Fasting is about food. When you eliminate food, the scripture tells us that you can become more sensitive to the things of God and God can speak and deal with you in a way that cannot happen at any other time. In fact, every time we see a fast in Scripture, it's amazing how God breaks through or He promises to break through in an incredible way. So fasting really is the preparatory work we do in order to see God break through in our lives. Now, let me make just a couple more points about fasting. The text that I read to you in Scripture from Jesus, and we know it was from Jesus. It's in the red. It's the Lord speaking. It doesn't contain more authority than that. It's from His his voice, and he gives us some important starting points that we can begin to learn because the fast will begin next Sunday, and I'm going to mention that again here in just a moment, but I need to get some just some bullet points out to you as we teach on fasting through these next several weeks. Number one, and that is fasting really is expected. Now, nobody can force you to fast. I'm not going to force you to fast. Nobody's going to come to your house and check your pantry or your refrigerator and see what's there, what's gone, what's been placed there. Nobody can do that. 
But Jesus said these words. He said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast, did he? He said, when you fast, this is what you should do. So he looks at his disciples and basically he was saying, this will be an expected practice. That there will be moments that you will fast. When you fast, this is what you need to be doing. Now, I'll just go ahead and kind of enter into my public contrition and repentance. I probably have not spent as much time on fasting as I've needed to as a pastor over a congregation. I'm fixing to change that in the next few weeks. Fasting is expected when you fast. So if you're serious about your walk with Jesus Christ, then you have to immediately put it into your mind. This is going to happen at times in my life. Number two, he said fasting should be done in a way not to draw attention to yourself. When you do it, you're not to do it like others that you have seen do it. Uh, Truth is that when you begin a fast, uh, you feel lousy. Isn't that encouraging? Come start the fast with me. You'll feel lousy the first couple days. That's not exactly good advertising, is it? But it's the truth. I mean, you're going to enter into a fast and you're going to feel lousy because you're going to change the habits of King's stomach. Your tongue is going to get coated with all sorts of gross toxins that have been in your body. You're going to feel drained. You won't feel peppy. You won't have the sugar input perhaps you've been having. You aren't going to do all the other things that have been happening. And there's going to be a couple days in there that you're going to really feel lousy. But when you're doing this, you can't walk around. And when someone says to you, man, you just don't look too zippy. You don't look too peppy. You just seem to have a a countenance that's down. You just can't walk around and going, yeah, pastor taught us about this fast and Everybody's doing it. No, I didn't know if I really wanted to do it. But I thought I better do it. Or or the other end of the spectrum is the one that struts around and when you go to lunch with someone. As you're sitting there saying, yes, you may have noticed I ordered vegetables. We're fasting at our church. Only going to drink water. Don't worry about ordering me anything besides water. You know. I'm going to see the desires of my heart manifested as I enter into this fast. See, the Bible says, listen to me. If you walk around soliciting pity, you got your reward. And if you walk around wanting a pat on the back for your righteousness, you got your reward. You got your reward. God just rewarded you. So so if you're like this and someone goes, well, there, there, you'll make it. It'll be okay. Just keep on going. That encouragement was your reward. So receive it and smile. Or if someone slaps you on the back and says, wow, you're so spiritual. That's cool. You got your reward. I want to hold out for what God might do. You see, God is the one that needs to see this, not everyone else. So fasting should be done in a way as to not to draw attention to yourself. Number three. Fasting is linked to other simultaneous practices. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 6, it's a lengthy chapter, we won't read the whole thing. But there are three things that he begins to say to his disciples in order to help them understand what it is that they are to do. And he says in chapter 6 verse 2, he says, therefore when you do a charitable deed, some of your versions will say, therefore when you give, and then he'll go on and say, Much the same thing he said about fasting. If you do it in order for everyone to see you do it, then you got your reward. And then we go on and it says, um, 
uh, in verse 6, but when, but you, when you go to pray, and then he tells you how to pray. And again, it's very similar language that he uses with regards to if you'll do this in a certain way, your father will reward you openly. And so I believe personally that when you link three things together, there can be a powerful happening that can take place in our life. When we give and when we pray and when we fast, not if you give, not if you pray and not if you fast. But if you'll link those three up together, a powerful thing, I believe, can begin to happen. You know, the Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so fasting isn't just the drudgery of walking through a certain time period, not putting food into your body. But it's, but it's linking some things up in simultaneous practice that allows God a powerful opportunity to begin to move in some supernatural ways in your life. Number four. One of the things that I think happens specifically is that fasting will break the spirit of poverty. You say, well, why do you say that, Pastor? It's because the Bible says that when we fast, as we are prescribed to in the way he says to, it says that God will reward us openly. Some of you right now have experienced poverty openly. Is that not true? I mean, there are bill collectors that know you don't got it. There's banks that know you're overdrawn. There are things you need in your house that have been left undone. There are areas that are just out of order and people know it's out of order. So poverty, poverty is something that happens openly oftentimes. Is that not true? Isn't it time to be rewarded openly? Isn't it time to see some of these areas that have been uh, neglect or somehow been been less than full or, or you've experienced lack isn't it time for some of these areas to be broken to see god begin to move his prosperity into your situation come on i believe that the spirit of poverty and let me just say what the spirit of poverty is poverty is not just lack poverty is not just not having poverty is the fear of not having i'm going to say that again poverty is the fear of not having i've known rich people i mean people that got more money than they could spend in multiple lifetimes but they live in fear that somehow they will lose all of that that is why you see the cable news networks and the news and newspaper give such time to the economy it is because the wheelers and dealers the movers and shakers even though they have a gazillion dollars out there they are in fear they have a spirit of poverty on them a fear when, you, when you're afraid to let it go because you're afraid you won't get it back. To let it go because somehow or another it won't come back to you in the way it happens. It's not just poor people. I've, I've seen poor people and, and middle income people uh, live in prosperity and liberality. In fact, Paul said to the Macedonians, he said it was while you were in your poverty that you gave lavishly. Now, I understand in the world system, they'd say you're stupid. But in God's economy, he says that's what it's all about. It's when you trust the king of kings, not the king of money or the king of stomach or whatever the king may be. Do you realize some of us, I'm just talking about fear, we eat because we fear we won't eat again. We've got to break those fears. And so you enter into a fast. And can I just share this with you? If, if you say in this fast, if this is what you do in the fast and say, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast Coke. 
Do you think that the wealth of the wicked is going to be released to you because you gave up your Coke? Eh. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You see, we've got to begin to get serious about this. Do you understand? Our Muslims and Hindus, and if you've never watched the movie Gandhi, I mean, Gandhi entered into a fast that would literally change the dynamics of a nation. We don't understand that as Christians. We've not practiced this. And I've often wondered, and I was reading as I was reading through Pastor Jensen's book, he made the connection about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. He made the connection to Jesus' promise of return when he said some will receive 30, some will receive 60, and others 100-fold. He just thought out loud. He said, I wonder if we, if we enter into one of those things, and that's why we only see maybe 30-fold return. And maybe we'll link two up and we'll see 60-fold return. But the reason so few of us ever see 100-fold return is because we refuse to link our giving and our praying and our fasting together. Fasting will break the spirit of poverty. Number five, fasting reminds you of the poor and the needy. Every time your stomach growls or rumbles, it reminds you of how one-third of the world goes to bed every night. We need reminders, especially Christians here in America, of how blessed we have it. I mean, I mean, even the poor, some of our poor have it better than, than 30-40% of the rest of the world. And we are called somehow, some way, to alleviate the suffering and the hunger around us. And when we get into January, I'm going to be sharing some more on this particular subject. Because as I was reading about the fast, and, and Tracy mentioned this to me earlier in Isaiah 58, when it talks about the fast. And, and, and along with the fast, you've got to remember that there's a needy world out there. There are people with legitimate needs. I understand there are con artists, there are lazy people, slothful people. And we're not required to have to underwrite every slothful, lazy person. But we are asked to help those that are legitimately needy and hungry and are, and are down. And, and we have a place in helping them come back with dignity and, and find the Lord and get their lives back on the right track. We have a responsibility in that too. So we need to realize that the fast will remind us of the poor and the needy. Number six, fasting is the door to overcoming the impossible. And I guess this is kind of where I wanted to, to leave off this morning, and we'll probably stop right around here. On Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, I've got to read to you the account. If I don't read the account, you'll miss, you'll miss what I'm trying to communicate. Matthew 17, verse 14, listen to this. It says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, meaning Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water so i brought him to your disciples now listen this man with an epileptic son who he has rightly identified at this point being a demonic influence takes this boy to the disciples and then he says uh, in verse 16 so i brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him so the disciples, they couldn't do anything with him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, 
Why could we not cast it out? Now listen carefully. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You Underline that. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now that's a pretty remarkable statement, isn't it? Nothing will be impossible for you. What is it that's your issue? What is it that's your problem? What is it that's being held up? What is it that doesn't seem like it's right? What is it that seems like the enemy's challenging you in? What is it that's causing such upheaval? What is it? What is it? Nothing shall be impossible for you. But he goes on. Verse 21. However. Everyone say however. Now. See that however means this. I got one more thing to say here. Don't miss this. Don't stop. Don't stop here. However. This kind does not go out. Except. By prayer. And fasting. There are some things that you and I. Will never experience. In God. Unless we commit. To the precept of prayer and fasting. We all want to see miracles take place in our life. We all want to see God break through and do some incredible things. We all want those supernatural moments where where something happens to us and we look at it and we say, that has to be the Lord. It couldn't be coincidence. It couldn't be be just, just chance. It has to be the Lord. And everybody... In their heart and especially those who believe the Lord want to see those moments in their life. But listen to me. You can't get to the nothing will be impossible for you phrase unless you get to praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. There's some things that just won't happen in your life. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what anybody has told you before. There are some things that won't happen. I've heard people say, well, God is sovereign. He just does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Well, it is true he is sovereign, but he has linked himself to some practices in his people. God's not going to open up the windows of heaven, for instance, unless you tithe. God's not going to do that. God's not going to allow a blessing to come upon you and overtake you unless you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I mean, there is always the caveat in walking with the Lord. It's not, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. It never works that way. That's how we want it. Oh, God, if you give me a million dollars... I'd tithe, I'd give, I'd be more benevolent. That's not how it works. The Lord says, if you will, then I will. God doesn't have to exercise his faith. He exercised it when he didn't wipe the whole human race off the planet on day one. He said, well, I I believe it's got to be better than the first day here, you know, with Adam and Eve. So God's not having to exercise the faith. You and I have to in prayer and in fasting. So let me just share with you a couple of things here as we wrap up. I want to give you our fasting assignment. Now again, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to come to your door to find out if you've linked up or not. There's no way I can do that. But I'm hoping that some of you will take this moment really, really seriously as if you just heard the voice of the Lord himself and begin to say, you know what, I want to enter into this assignment too. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And let me just share with you several things that I think will be important. Number one, fasting at the first of the year will set the course for 2009. 
You know, Matthew 6.33 says that if we seek the kingdom first, all the other things will be added unto us. If we seek kingdom things at the first of the year, I believe it sets a course for the rest of the year. Just as oftentimes when you get up in the morning and you seek the Lord first thing in the morning, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. I believe that if we as a church will enter into the month of January and we will commit to some corporate opportunities in prayer and fast together, it will set the course for this coming year 2009 and folks we need god to move in some amazing impossible ways in the year 2009 would you agree with me there come on now god god's not only needs to move for us he needs to move for some of you i mean 2009 needs to be a year when you see some breakthrough take place 2009 you're you're dreaming you're hoping you've got aspirations maybe you've got a promise from god and And you're wanting to see in 2009 that thing take place that you've been just hanging on to for so long. Let me just share with you, you may not see it unless you hear this as a thus saith the Lord. I mean, we've not only got buildings to build and and, and have to navigate county and government officials and lenders and, and those things have their place. But even more importantly than those things, I want to see some signs and some wonders and some miracles and some healings and just some things that you can't explain except that you've seen God move. How about missions and benevolence and outreach? And and my personal conviction is this, that I don't believe Charleston, South Carolina will ever be touched and impacted by a move of God unless there's a group that gets serious about understanding that some things aren't moved unless we pray and we fast. Charleston missed a great awakening in the 1700s. They kicked Whitfield out of this city. They drove him to John's Island. Every move of God that has happened in this nation, Charleston has ducked. This kind will not come out except by prayer and fasting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Don't you let religion, I mean, don't you let that detour you. Religion doesn't detour God. He sent his son to one of the most religious people that had ever existed. So don't you let religion detour you. We're not fasting for religion. We're fasting for his presence. So I believe that if we do that at the first of the year, it will set the tone for the rest of 2009. Number two, the fast will last for 21 days. I'm going to enter into the Daniel model of fasting. 21 days. Next Sunday is January the 4th. And on that Sunday, that's when the fast begins. It will go through the breaking of the fast on Sunday morning, January the 25th. That will be 21 days. So for me, I will be fasting on the 4th and on the 25th. Then I'm free and I'm at liberty to do whatever I would want to do. But the scripture tells us that Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days in order to see breakthrough in a particular area that he was interceding in. It was in Daniel chapter 10. You know, some things don't change unless you go an extended time period. Seeking the Lord. Getting serious before him. Asking and keep on asking. Knocking and keep on knocking. Seeking and keep on seeking. So January the 4th through January the 25th. The 21 days of the fast. Number three. I'm going to give you the opportunity because I don't know everyone's 
health status and health concerns. So you can choose the type of fast you want to enter into. Our house is going to do the Daniel fast. Basically, a Daniel fast is what I call an out-of-the-ground fast. There's no meats, there's no sweets, cutting sugar out. There's really few bread options. There's some grains that can be, that can be eaten because it's out of the ground. And basically, drinking water. Whatever fast you go into, water, 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 and more water. Whatever fast you choose to do, basically, it has to mean something to you. If it doesn't mean anything to you, why should it mean anything to God? There may be others that would prefer a partial fast, which would be the skipping of a meal. But I would encourage this. If you normally skip breakfast, don't call that your fast. Whatever hours you are in bed sleeping, those are not fasting hours. Choose a fast and stick to it. For 21 days, 21 days of your life, stick to it. I also mentioned to you, I'll put things on the blog site and hopefully there'll be hints for you as we go through the 21 days together. But we have this next week and then we're going to get started on January the 4th. So you can choose the type of fast you want to enter into. And don't go around and, and just say, what, what, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this one. <laughs> You're doing one meal, I'm doing two meals. You got your reward. Are you with me? You got your reward. Number four, we will provide corporate opportunities for prayer. Now listen very carefully, and again, you may have to go to the blog site. During the 21 days, there will be no connect groups for those three weeks. Now listen, on Mondays and Tuesdays of the fast, The church will be open at night for the whole church to pray. On Mondays and Tuesdays of those three weeks, uh, Tracy or myself will be here. Uh, We'll be visiting with leadership. They need to participate in this as well. There will be, I'm sure, scheduled challenges. I understand there are scheduled challenges. There may be scheduled challenges in our household as well. But we are calling this a priority. In other words, it's going to really have to challenge us to to make switches, and we're going to do our best. In fact, I probably got a basketball schedule in there, and so one of us may have to go, but the other one will be here. We're committing to do this and to be in the house of God. My hope is that on Monday night, for instance, the connect groups that meet on Monday night, if you go to a connect group on Monday night, my hope is is that you will not just take a break from connect, but that you'll come to the house of God and that you'll be a part of the pillars on that Monday night, praying, as well as others. I hope the whole house of God comes, but at least Monday night connect groups to be here on Monday night. The same with the Tuesday groups. If you go to Tuesday connect groups, then my hope is is that on Tuesdays, you'll come in the evening and you'll sort of be the core that will be there on those Tuesday nights as well. I'm, I'm wanting, hopefully, to see a great number from the church be here. Not just a few that enjoy praying, but I mean everybody as a church needs to get into prayer time. And we need to enter into this commitment corporately. And again, I understand that things can come up and schedules can get there. And and, and I, I get that. But you need to get that there's a moment we get serious about getting before the Lord and ask ourselves what it is that bumps this time before the Lord. In fact, I'll just encourage you. Every Tuesday morning, we've got ladies that come in here. 
every Tuesday morning, about 10, 10.30. And they intercede every Tuesday without fail. Miss Louise and Rosemary and Svetlana are there. Others join them at times. I can almost always count on those three. They're here on Tuesday mornings. You may want to come on Tuesday morning as well and begin to pray. Every Sunday at 9.30, we pray here. So I encourage you, you can get to church a little earlier. You're coming here anyway. You might as well get here at 9.30, be here on time. Can I just share this with you? You know, it's interesting. You know, Muslims, Muslims, if, if they're a devout Muslim, they pray, what is it, six times a day? And it doesn't matter where they are, where they're located, when the clock hits the time, they'll drop their prayer cloth and they'll face Mecca, wherever they are, and they'll begin to seek the Lord. And it's amazing to me how, in my opinion, I can, you know, I can say I respect what they do, but I'm a Christian. I don't believe what they do, but I respect what they do. I don't believe it. I don't believe for a moment that, that a Muslim faith gets you to God. I'm very clear about that. I don't believe there are many paths to God. I believe there's one way, one door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's me. That's me. But I watch, I watch these folk do that, and it's amazing to me how devout they are in that. I know what Christians say, especially charismatic ones. Well, we're just not legalists. No, you know what our problem is? We slap legalism on any discipline that might need to come to our life. Anytime we're challenged to discipline, we'll instantly go, they're being legalistic. You're just a slacker. Why not? I mean, I mean, you're late to work too many times, and we'll find out how that floats with your boss. But it's amazing to me how those Muslims will respect their God, but we will disrespect our God. We'll just kind of flit in, flit out, get there when it, when, when it strikes us and when we're led of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. You, we need a little more legalism. Yeah, we do. We wonder why God's slow towards us people. Do you, do you understand what a man soweth, that shall he also reap? Everybody knows that verse, right? Whatever, everyone say whatever, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Well, if you're going to slow slack, and if you're going to slow lazy, and if you're going to slow just kind of hit and miss, if, if you're going to sow this stuff, don't you wonder why God doesn't answer you on time. It's not because God hates you and he doesn't love you. He's just said you sowed it. You can't get anywhere on time when it's time to be just devout to me. You disrespect me, says the Lord. And then you wonder why I'm not showing up when you want me to be there. It's we sow this stuff. A fast is going to take discipline. A fast is going to take a devoutness. Folks, this is something when we look at King's stomach and King procrastination and King personality and King everything and say, you are not King. Jesus is King. He is king. Boy, that was good. That wasn't even on my notes. I hope we're spinning a CD because that was good. Number five. You will be encouraged to link, obviously, your giving to this time as well. We talked about praying. We talked about fasting. But folks, we're going to link our giving. I want to do supernatural things financially as well. We still got to clear land. We still got to build a church. We still got to do the work of the ministry. We still got to find places of breakthrough. Let me tell you, I'm going to position myself and, and to the best of my ability, this church, I want to position for 100-fold blessing. I'm going to do everything I can to help lead you there. I can't drag you there. I can't coerce you there. I can't make you go there. 
But I'll give you every opportunity that I know to position yourself for 100-fold blessing. A hundredfold blessing. Can you imagine that? You, I, I was down at the bank the other day, and you can't get 1% on your CD. Wouldn't it be cool to have a place where you could get 100% in God's economy? I'll end with this. Get ready for challenges. Because about the second day of the fast, you'll be channel surfing. And you'll get to that show you're going to watch, and all of a sudden, there'll be this great big Pizza Hut commercial. The one with the cheese and the crust. It don't, ma- it, don't ma- it don't matter if that stuff normally tastes like cardboard and you wouldn't put it in your mouth if someone paid you to do it. You get about three, four days of fast under your belt and that pizza will look... Oh, that's almost a spiritual experience. Oh, you just get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You'll be three, four, five days under your belt and all of a sudden your boss who has never taken to lunch anybody in the office will come and say, hey, I'm going to take everybody out to, and it will, be the, it will be your favorite restaurant. Get ready. You just might as well get ready. Oh, you'll just be going along cooking just fine. And somebody in your neighborhood, you don't even really know these people just for whatever reason, They'll be knocking at your door and they'll have this big old basket of goodies for you. You you, you get where I'm going? You got to ask yourself this question. Are you ready to birth your future? Are you ready? Are you ready to to, to birth some? You're going to have we're going to have to birth some promises here. We're going to have we're going to have to get serious about birthing some things. I'll never forget the story. I've heard the story so many times, and I believe it to be true. I think it came from Bevere. But if it wasn't, I know it was from somebody who ran into a person they sat by in the plane who was rejecting food as the stewardess, the flight attendant, would come by. They didn't want any food. They didn't want any sandwiches. And the Christian minister looked at this gentleman and said, I notice you're not eating. What's the deal? And he said, well, he said, we're... We're Satanists, we're, we're witch, warlock, whatever. And once a week we fast and we pray for the demise of Christian ministries. For the demise of pastors and their families. And I hear stories like that and I say, what is there about us that we can't get serious about praying and fasting and realizing that if we're really serious about reaching our families and reaching our neighbors and reaching our city and reaching our state and reaching our nation and ultimately reaching this world why 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 do we why do we think it would take any less than us fully entering into that spiritual dimension of of giving of praying fasting it's not to throw a heavy burden on you it's to to say enter it with delight enter it with the full knowledge that your future is going to be different in 2009 because of 21 days in January 
Wash your face. Get your, get your good suit out. Get your nice clothes out. Put the smile on your face. King's stomach is going to be going, Rah! and you just say, isn't it cool? Satan goes about like a, yeah, it just, you're just kind of like a roaring lion. You don't control my life. You don't control my future, and you certainly aren't king. You'll get yours soon enough, but Jesus is getting his first. Would you stand with me? Can I get some musicians? Can I get them back? Hey, we're hit those chords in my life be lifted just hit those chords and just run in my life be lifted high holy spirit i thank you for being here this morning and using this attempt in communicating with your people about fasting to punctuate some things in their lives lord i ask this morning that you would you would not just have it a pastor calling a people, but that, Lord, you would, you would grant an authority that comes from you, that they would sense the Holy Spirit this morning, calling them, wooing them, drawing them to do something maybe some have never done before. Maybe some have done it, but it's kind of been half-hearted or lazy. Maybe some have just kind of given up a little of this or a little of that. Lord, I pray right now that... that that you would just speak to us about really letting 21 days of our life. 21 days of our life. What's 21 days? In a year. Much less a life. 21 days that we would just be sold out. To seeking you. To hearing from you. To pressing in and pressing through. And Lord, we don't believe for a moment that somehow we can strong arm you into doing things. But Lord, I do believe that unless we enter obediently into the things you ask of us, there's no way we'll see it happen. So, Lord, we trust you completely. That Lord, as we do this, that there, there's going to be breakthrough. That's, that's what faith is all about. That Lord, there's going, to be, there's going to be victory. There's going to be triumph that takes place. There, there's going to be change that happens in our lives and in the life of this local church. Lord, we believe that you have put an assignment on us as a church and as a people. Lord, we can affirm every church in this city and we know many of them will be fasting too at the beginning of the year. So we, we gladly link up with other believers. But Lord, we recognize the fact that, that every church has an assignment and ours has one. And Lord, I believe that this is the moment where to birth it. For 2009 that we're to birth it for 2009 so Holy Spirit cause your voice to be more than just a word or an emotion but cause it to bring forth a commitment that we will step into this and Lord we're excited about what you can do in Jesus name tell you what we're going to do right now this is what i'm going to ask we're going to begin to sing we're just going to let the musicians and singers just lead us into some song but but as we sing this is your commitment time you're going to make your commitment before the lord 
I may not have an invitation to ask you to come forward and say, hey, are you going to commit to it? But right where you're standing right now, you're going to need to make that commitment. It's as easy today as it will be next, next Saturday night. Why don't you just choose today, get yourself prepared, begin to enter into that season. Get yourself prepared to go into that season. Get your spiritual armor on, get your focus right. You know how you are when you get a little food deprivation? Just say right now, in Jesus' name, it's not going to be that way. And just get yourself prepared for 2009 right now. And we can all sing together and make our commitments together. In my life, be lifted up. Amen? So let's lift our voices and let's make those commitments as unto the Lord. This whole building is an altar this morning. This whole building is the well of the church. And it's your moment to begin to make your commitment right now. Amen? Amen. Let's begin to sing. Right now, make your commitments right now. Just your way, say, in Jesus' name, Lord, I'm committing right now. 
to step into 2009 positioned to see breakthrough. Lord, I embrace the Sermon on the Mount. Right in the middle of it, it says when you give and when you pray and when you fast. We're not to do it as hypocrites do it. But we're to do it secretly. So that as you see it secretly, you'll reward openly. Lord, I'm entering into this to see breakthrough in the sense of your presence. To see breakthrough, Lord, with the harvest coming in. To see breakthrough in areas of my life relationship and finance and career I believe breakthrough will come as I position myself before you oh God I break off of me a sense of duty the yoke of burden but I embrace your precept with great joy and great hilarity believing oh God that my sacrifice really isn't that much a little food Lord right now I believe this 21 days will be not maybe but will be the most impactful life altering change time I've ever experienced in my life let it be so I want you to be lifted up I want it to be different 2009 shall be different there shall be breakthrough there shall be change God will arise his enemies will be scattered in these first 21 days in Jesus name come on now give the Lord your commitment hand clap one more time in my life in my life come on my life be lifted
Alright, get prepared now. The, hear me now. The, and, and this is not to solicit fear. This is just to, this is just to not leave you in ignorance. We, we've sent out a war sound to the enemy. Do you understand that this morning there's a sound that has taken place in the spirit realm? And it's a sound of war. It's a sound of battle. It's a sound of seriousness and a sound of commitment, a sound of consecration. It's a sound. And here's the deal. The enemy begins to mobilize. It's the interesting thing about an enemy. He doesn't necessarily run from a fight. But let me just share this with you. If one will send a thousand and two will chase ten thousand, what would a couple hundred folk do if they got linked up in unity, purposed in God? Let me tell you, we would drive, we would drive the spiritual darkness and the atmosphere out of Charleston, South Carolina. We would drive it out into the ocean. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But you got to get it right now. You, you got to understand, it's like going out for the bowl game. You're about ready to come out of the tunnel onto the field and there's an opponent right there and he's not laying down. But the first time you get hit, you got to get up and shake it off and say, this is the big event. This is the bowl game. I got to leave it all on the field for 2009. This is the game. You can do that. You can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But you got to get ready. He'll shoot at you. But that's all right. Just put up the shield of faith. He may throw some things at you. Just keep your armor on. And here's the... You just keep going forward. Just keep moving forward. And watch God move for you. Father, I pray now as I release these people. Lord, we we release them into the plan of God. We release them into the purpose of God into the direction of God and the Word of God. Lord, I pray right now that the commitments that have been made in people's hearts, Lord, would not fade away when they walk out those doors, but that, Lord, they would burn bright and that there would be something in that commitment, Lord, that will, that will, well, Lord, I will say that just drive them these next 21 days, Lord, to stay on target. 21 days. To be able to keep their focus. 21 days to be able to say, I'm giving my 2009 to the Lord. And in these 21 days, I'm going to set the tone. Lord, cause it to be sealed. Cause it to be branded in our hearts and in our minds. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. But let us see, Lord, hope and optimism and possibility. Realizing that through this, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. So, Lord, bless them, I pray, as we go our separate ways. Lord, cause all the things that need to happen to take place as we as legacy position ourselves for this upcoming year. The greatest year, I believe, Lord, Trace was right. It's, it's our time. It's our time. Everyone say, it's, it's our time. Come on now, everyone, it's our time. In fact, why don't you, why don't you change it now to say, it's, it's my time. Come on now, because corporate is linked to personal and personal to corporate. Come on, it's your time. Come on, it's your time.
you knew automatically that there'd be whatever it is you wanted the most waiting for you at the end of those 21 days. Some treasure chest full of whatever it is you would want. You would gladly do 21 days. Come on, you've got to see it that way. You got to, do not doubt. But if you have the faith as the seed of a mustard seed, God can be trusted. So Lord, let it be so, I pray. Bless your folks. Lord, I'm glad I'm on the journey with them. May we be glad we're walking it together as I release them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand and you are, you are released. God bless you. Hug each other, love each other, encourage one another. And I hope to see you in the middle of the week, Wednesday, New Year's Eve. God bless you.